This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Friday night. It's the preview show. It's the No Nay Never podcast. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Nay Never podcast. And it is episode two, week two already. We are here with another jam-packed episode to look ahead to the Claret's first home game of the season, Southampton. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, but joining me as ever is the headliner himself, the main man, Dave Statman-Roberts. Dave, welcome. Thank you, Natalie. You well? I'm very well, thank you. It's been a busy old week at Turf Moor since we recorded uh, and last spoke to our listeners on Tuesday. Oh, lots happened, yeah. The timing didn't exactly go brilliantly for that, did it, with all the uh, things yeah. happening since then? Signings and uh, gate. Well, obviously we knew that when the game was going to be. That was the one thing that was known. And um, and then other other rumours of takeovers and I don't know what else. It's uh, all, yeah. all gone. It is all go. Well, we'll have we'll have a look at that later on in the season. But it's been uh, it, it's been a it's been a good week. It's been a positive week, even despite that Leicester victory. It feels a bit a bit weird that we are all feeling relatively upbeat, even though we obviously couldn't turn any points at the weekend. Yeah, I think that there are there are some positives to take. I'm going to come on to that. Actually, that's one of my uh, uh, my stat Ooh. of the week is going to relate to that. So I'll not uh, <gasps> give that away as a spoiler. Um, oh. but yes, we've had a, a, a good victory in the cup, and uh, another little stat for you. Uh, that's two. Well, two victories if we're going to count Sheffield United as a victory. Technically, the um, record books record it as a draw, even though we won on uh, penalties and, w- and went through. Uh, we've only had one victory in the League Cup in the last six seasons, and that was the one we had at um, Ewood Park. That was just one victory and uh, six defeats in the last six seasons in the Cup. So to have uh, get through two rounds this season is uh, definitely progress. Yeah, I saw a hilarious tweet which really made me giggle the other day where somebody was talking about, um, I think somebody said something like, it, but just, just our luck if we end up... Um, having a really good cup run when fans aren't allowed in the stadium and somebody replied and forgive me listeners I can't remember who it was but uh, somebody replied and said we're absolutely going to end up accidentally at Wembley and I just I just really made me chuckle that somehow we just don't really want a cup run and somehow we're just going to end up accidentally at Wembley going oh okay <laughs> well we, we are yeah, we are just 270 minutes away now just three uh, games away from Wembley so that. Look at that. except we've got to get past City so or City's meh. academy team stroke City. reserves who are everything I know 
I think Pep Ozers one, to be honest, we were talking about this on, on the main show, talking about, you know, the fact that just the unluckiness that we get of consistently being drawn away at City, or even home or away at City in the cup game. And this year is obviously Pep's decide, family decided he's just going to play his kids because of fixture build-up. I'm like, yes, you owe us. Like, he, he puts ridiculously strong sides out, especially against us. So I'd quite like him to play his under-11s, that would be nice. Or under-13s, that would be great. I mean, we'll have some chance to, to win. But but that that's stuff for another day, Dave. Let's, let's get on to this week's preview show because we've got plenty of things to get on to. Now, before we get going, of course... We asked our listeners last week for um, an answer to a quiz question, which was, who was the first Burnley player to score a goal for the Clarets at Leicester City's current stadium? Dave, what was that correct answer? Uh, The correct answer was Ian Moore. Ah. And as uh, regular listeners may know, we do use information from the Burnley Stats Match Database to provide many of the stats and facts we mentioned in our preview shows. Um, And over the summer, I've uh, made a start adding some brief uh, goal descriptions for past games. Um, This is focused on more recent seasons, first of all, but I'm working my way back slowly. It's a a massive task. Um, About 25% of the way through, but we do have a goal description for that goal, so I'll I'll give you that if you uh, allow me. Um, Briscoe's corner from the left was headed on by Davis to Naheri. Then Ian Moore nodded in from close range past Ian Walker. So that's the description for that goal at uh, Leicester's, well, the first goal for Burnley. We had a 1-0 win. Uh, and had a really good run. We, we touched on it, didn't we, in the uh, preview show last time. The first five visits we had there, we didn't concede a goal. We had four 1-0 wins and a 0-0 draw. And then we've had, uh, well, we haven't won since then. Excellent. Those, that's a good stats. Well, did we get any, did you get any correct answers directly? I do have a couple of, of correct answers to this week's quiz. Uh, yes. Uh, I think uh, Matt had emailed a couple through for us. We did have um, David Entwistle had got in touch. Um, said Ian Moore, um, and I also had a, a, a message from um, uh, a, a re- quiz regular, Claret Crumpet, John Robertson, was in touch with the correct answer. He knew it was Ian Moore as well. I don't know whether you were aware of any others that have come through as well. Nadia. No, they're the, ones, oh. they're the ones that I got. I wonder, John Robertson must be giving you a run for his money, because I'm not entirely sure he's ever got one wrong. He usually knows, doesn't he? Yeah, he's pretty pretty yeah. hot on uh, on the quiz questions. He knows him and he gets in there first. I'm going to start getting suspicious about uh, about young John. I'm going to see what, what he does. Uh, weirdly, apparently in this week's... John and producer Matt have started a new um, feature, which is spot the random noise in the podcast, which is not an authorised feature, by the way, and not something that we are actually launching. But we've had, of course, some weird trapdoor noise that my old room... I have moved house this season of, of the podcast. Um, I think my old house was some weird trapdoor that our regular listeners seemed to be convinced I was hiding somebody under. And then for the first preview show, I think, you you and me last week, there was somebody opening a biscuit tin. That wasn't which me. Made, well, it may very well have been me. I, I tend to record these around tea time and I'm hungry, so it, it could have been me. But apparently this week's day, there was a parrot. All right. I missed that one. Mm. Yeah. There you go, listeners. If you'd like to participate in the new random unauthorised feature of the week, being random noises you hear on the Known and Ever podcast, do get in touch and let us know what they are. There was a parrot um, in a football game, wasn't there? Did you see the, um, I think it was in Brazil somewhere, there was a parrot stop player, there was a parrot landed on the player's head. I did not see this. And then there was another one somewhere in in Yorkshire, I think it was, and there was um, an alpaca that um, uh, got loosened on the pitch. Excellent. Well, 
This week's preview show has taken us in a direction I wasn't fully expecting, Dave. We digress. Let's bring it yeah. back. Let's bring it back. Come on, everyone. We've gone a little bit random. Let's huddle in and let's see what we can do. Opposition stats. So we're going to be looking at Southampton at home, which is weekend this weekend's mm. game. Sunday. Saturday. It's Sunday. It's Saturday. Dave Roberts, are you giving me duff information on my... Well, listeners. Saturday the twenty. Saturday the twenty. The date's wrong on this. It's Saturday the twenty sixth, and it's an eight pm kickoff, and we're live on Sky Sports. Well, there you go. Somebody log the date and entry in the ship's log on Thursday the twenty fourth of September at nineteen nineteen pm. Dave Statman Roberts got something catastrophically wrong. There you go. Set me up massively there. Well, that's that's at least we now know the game. We've now clarified this for you guys. Do not wait for a game on Sunday at 8 o'clock because you will have missed it. Instead, tune in on Saturday instead and enjoy Southampton at home. So why don't you redeem yourself, young Dave Roberts, and tell us all about the recent history. Yeah, this season we're going to look at recent history. And when we uh, say that, we've defined that as matches played since 2009-10 uh, season. Um, and then either looking at home or away, depending on whether we're a home or away for that particular match. So we're interested specifically in the matches against Southampton that have taken place uh, at Turf Moor in the last decade. Um, we've played them six times uh, during this uh, time. Um, we've got an unbeaten record. We've got three wins and three draws, uh, which gives us a win percentage of 50% in those games. Um, and just one of those six games was in the Championship. That was in season 2011-12, with all the more recent five games all being in the Premier League. Excellent. Uh, so what about Burnley's last win and last top flight win then, please, Dave? Well, we can do both those together mm. and also last uh, last season's game because that was a, a victory for us. Uh, that was the corresponding fi home fixture against Southampton, uh, which was our last win. And also, as it was a top flight game, our last top flight win. Um, it seems quite a long time ago now, but it was uh, both sides' first Premier League game of last season. Um, you may recall it took place in rather murky, drizzly and breezy conditions. It was the 10th of August, but it felt more like the 10th of October, I think, from uh, from memory. It was certainly more like autumn than summer. Uh, Turf Moor. Uh, we had a goalless first half, uh, but we came to in the second half. We had two goals from Ashley Barnes and another from Johan Berg-Gudmundsen, and that gave us all three points um, after an impressive second half performance in, as we said, very uh, windy conditions that day. Indeed, I do remember that game. Um, okay, well, let's move on to our new feature then. Um, give us a specific highlight, please. Uh, yeah, we've, we've said for, for this season we're going to look at a highlight and a low light. So the, the highlight, first of all, for the, from the corresponding fixtures um, and not necessarily from the ones in the last decade, although for the highlight, um, it is within that time frame. Um, the one I've selected is the Premier League game between the two sides at Turf Moor uh, in December 2014. Uh, the first half was goalless, but the game turned on a penalty save. Uh, on the hour, George Boyd was penalised for a foul in the box on Ryan Bertrand. Uh, Tom Heaton got down low to save Dusan Tadic's spot kick. And just 13 minutes later, Ashley Barnes scored the only goal of the game. That was following some determined play from Danny Ings. He closed the ball down, uh, blocked the ball, went through to Ashley Barnes, and he scored the uh, 
he scored the goal, he scored the winner, and Burnley won 1-0 to give us three valuable points. Ah, there's some some lovely names in that feature, isn't there? Got Danny Ings, Tom Heaton, George Boyd. Oh, I do miss them all. Okay, well, let's let's delve into a slightly less upbeat section and have a look at our low light, please. Yeah, for our low light, um, I'm only aware of one uh, red card that's uh, been shown in past Burnley v Southampton matches at Turf Moor, um, and that was given to a Burnley player, so that's going to be this week's low light. Uh, we're going back just over 14 years, and that's to the 23rd of September 2006. Uh, Burnley had actually taken the lead early on in the game. We'd scored in the fourth minute through Steve Jones, but we lost uh, Wayne Thomas. Um, he got given a red card for an apparent elbow, that was in the 16th minute, um, and we conceded a couple of minutes after that. Uh, we also took the lead again through Andy Gray in the first half, but eventually the, we paid the price for playing a man short, and we conceded twice in the second half uh, to lose the match 3-2. Oh, there you go. I do remember Steve Jones. Steve Jones? or Steve Jones, wasn't it? Steve Jones, yes, he scored Redhead. twice on his debut. Redhead. Yes. Yeah, I was there. I was at that game. And in fact, a little bit of personal trivia for you all, going into the stat show, that was the first Burnley game that me and the current Mr B watched together. We went away from home. Oh. Yes, there you go. Um, Not away from Oh, yeah. we were at home. It was the first game. Oh, maybe maybe that was the first Oh, you went to the other one in that season, the away from home? No, it was, the opening, it was the opening fixture. I thought his debut were away from home. Maybe it wasn't his debut. Maybe I'm... I'm... Oh, no, he scored, he scored his debut at Tur- Turf Moor. That was... Um... Yeah, he scored twice against QPR. That was a home game. Uh, okay, so it was, yeah, I watched him away from home. Okay, that that didn't go as slickly as I wanted it to. So let's move swiftly on, young Dave, and let's talk about our hero. Uh, yeah, another brand new feature this season. We're going for a, a hero and villain section. So we're going to pick out one hero and one villain from uh, past meetings. And this week's hero is, drumroll, Joey Barton. Ah! And the reason for that is, um, after Burnley were promoted as championship title winners in the 2015-16 season, uh, one of the mainstays of that campaign, Joey Barton, left the club. He went to Scotland for a new challenge at Rangers. Um, it's probably fair to say the move didn't quite pan out as planned, and within six months, Sean Dyche had made a move to bring the midfielder back to Turf Moor. Uh, in January 2017, he came on as a second-half substitute, to replace Stephen DeFore, interestingly enough. That was in the 73rd minute of the home game against the Saints. Uh, the score was still finely balanced at 0-0 at the time, but five minutes later, Burnley were awarded a free kick in a central position, 25 yards from goal, and Joey Barton took the responsibility, and his low shot went in with more than a little help from a deflection off the wall. Interestingly, Jay Rodriguez also played in that match. He came on as a second-half substitute for Southampton, and that was just a few minutes before Joey Barton's introduction. Ah, oh, Joey. I love Joey. It's nice to see Joey doing well at magic managerial level, isn't it? Although, um, did I see... Oh, no. No, do you know what? I'm not going to go down that path because I feel like I'm going to say something that's really stupid and our listeners will just be like, Bromley, what are you talking about? Uh, let's move on to our next one. Who's our villain? I might do that voice, Dave. Hero villain. Do you like that? We need that, don't we? That that would uh, definitely add to things. Um, r- rather than you doing it, get someone to do it professionally. Hey! <laughs> oh my God, the shit! You can, you, we'll we'll let you audition if you like. Okay, I'm going to do my audition. <clears throat> villain. No. Mm. Okay. We'll see. We'll let Matt be the judge. Oh God. <laughs> okay, villain of the week, then, please, Dave. 
Uh, yeah, I've gone back a little bit further for Villain, um, and that's mainly because Burnley have had such a good home uh, record against Southampton, so there were fewer contenders to, to go at. Uh, but for this week's Villain, I've gone back to March 1971 um, and gone for uh, Southampton player Mick Shannon. Um, Burnley were languishing near the bottom of the first division. We were fighting for our lives to try and stay in the top division where we'd been ever since 1947. We were desperately in need of points with only three wins in 11 draws after the first 30 games played. I think only Blackpool were below us in the table at the time. Um, the game was poised at nil-nil with less than 10 minutes to play uh, when our villain, Mick Shannon, he finally broke the deadlock in favour of the Saints. And that was the only goal of the game. Um, this result is uh, yet another defeat uh, in that season. It made Burnley's survival task even more difficult and it did result in relegation for us at the end of the season, although probably not on the basis of that result alone. I think it was on the basis of, uh, um, well, not a very good season all round, really, which ended in relegation. Um, and that, interestingly, also is uh, Southampton's only top-flight win at Turf Moor in 11 previous attempts. They have won in other uh, competitions and in um, certainly in uh, lower league games, we've mentioned that championship win, mm. but they've only won once in 11 top flight meetings at Turf Moor. Well, there you go. Boo to you, Mick Shannon. Boo. Um, okay, next new feature, Dave. Who's going to be our one to watch at the weekend? Yeah, for this one, um, we, well, we, we know very well all about Danny Ings. He left Burnley, um, it's more than five years ago since he left Burnley, and we know all about his goal threat. So for this week, I've gone slightly more left field uh, for our one to watch, and I've chosen his current strike partner, that's uh, Che Adams. Um, it's perhaps slightly less well known uh, that Che Adams was a former Burnley target. Um, it's fair to say there was a lot of interest from several league clubs at the time, and this is going back initially to 2014. He was still playing for non-league Ilkeston and he eventually ended up uh, signing for Sheffield United. Um, since then, he's also played for Birmingham City before a move to Southampton in the summer of 2019. That was for a reported fee of around £15 million. Um, although he was also a name that had been linked again with Burnley and that was in the previous transfer window in January 2019. Um, he actually made his debut for the Saints in their first Premier League match of 2019-20. So that's the um, corresponding fixture from last season, which we've already um, talked about. Uh, he made 30 Premier League appearances last season, although the majority of these games, certainly in the early stages prior to lockdown, were from the bench. Uh, he scored four goals in 2019-20, as well as contributing two assists, but did seem to improve as the season went on. Uh, and he's forged quite an impressive partnership with uh, Danny Ings now. He's still aged just 24. He certainly seems to have quite a bright future ahead of him. And for that reason, he's our one to watch for this week. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually. He's, he's not one I would have obviously picked. I think he... Um... Didn't, it didn't quite come off for him last season, did it really? So I think uh, once he gets a full season under his belt and, and starts playing, you would hope that he will certainly um, improve a little bit. I think some Burnley fans feel like we might have dodged one a little bit there. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think before he made his move up to, to the Premier League, I think he was really, he looked, showed a lot of promise and I really liked watching him. Um, so fingers crossed he does manage to improve. Yeah, one thing I will add here is that if, if Che Adams scores in this weekend's game, I'm going to have to start um, choosing defenders for this feature because uh, anyone who listened to our Leicester City preview show will recall that uh, Harvey Barnes was our one to watch yeah. and ended up scoring. So uh, if that carries on, we're going to have to uh, have a change on yeah, that. I'm going to, no, because then if you choose a defender, they'll come up with some absolute worldy and clear like a million goals <laughs> off the line or something. So if this. If, we'll just drop the feature. We're going to drop the feature. If, if this happens this week, <laughs> that's it. That's going. I'm cutting it. 
gone. Bye. Okay. Finally, then, Dave, looking at the the game itself, who's going to be our referee? Uh, we've got Andre Mariner. He's in charge of the match at Turf Moor on Saturday evening. Uh, we've won just four of the 13 past matches where he's been the referee, and all of the last five have ended in defeat, although um, although those five were played away from home. Uh, last season, we only saw him in the middle for a Burnley match once, and that was uh, the heavy 5-0 defeat we had at the City of Manchester Stadium for our first match of Project Restart. Um, he hasn't issued any red cards to players on either side in any of his previous matches involving Burnley. Um, and he will be assisted by Mike Dean, who has the equally important role of video assistant referee on uh, Saturday. Excellent. Well, I would move on, Dave, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to be it. I know you and I know you like to squeeze as much in as you possibly can. So why don't you delve into the bank of Statman, Dave, and let us have your miscellaneous stat of the week. Statman Dave's Stat of the Week. Yes, for Stat of the Week this week, um, I did post a a Reasons to be Cheerful tweet earlier in the week after I researched some stats on Burnley's shot creation in away Premier League games. I thought it would be worthwhile to uh, mention that here and to, uh, well, to at least give people some good news. Um, Despite the final scoreline, which we're aware of, there are some silver linings to take from the defeat against Leicester. Uh, Burnley created 16 shots, which is a total we've only bettered in four out of 115 previous away Premier League games since 2009. Uh, The highest, actually, was uh, quite recently. That was 23, which we had at Norwich City towards the end of last season, although we did play over half of that game against nine men. Um, As we know, games are won or lost based on real goals as opposed to expected goals, but the level of creativity was something which Sean Dyche touched upon in one of his press conferences this week. And following on from the progression in the Cup against Millwall, uh, there's certainly been some excellent attacking intent from Burnley so far this season, which we can only try and build on against Southampton this weekend. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So how are you feeling about the game, Dave? Do you feel like it's going to be uh, some points on the board? Are you worried? What's your gut telling you? Um, I'm, I'm reasonably positive, I think. I mean, as I say, go, the, the the result against Leicester was disappointing. Um, I think, the, as I say, there was some good attacking intent in there. Um, we are looking to get players back. I don't know whether we certainly didn't get James Tarkovsky back um, in midweek. Uh, they didn't risk him for uh, for that game, whether he might be back for, for the weekend. Um, Ashley Barnes played an under, well, 60 minutes of an under-23s game on uh uh, earlier in the week as well, he scored a couple of goals. He got a, a goal from open play and a penalty as well. So he's um, on his way back. I think there was the, a game planned for tomorrow as well, an under-23 game for sorry for, for Friday um, for um, Ashley Barnes to play in that as well. So there are players coming back through. But as we know, there are other injuries we picked up as well. Yeah. Obviously the um, worrying one on uh, Johan Berg-Gudmundsen and then also Jay going off in the uh, game at Millwall as well. So... Um, he's going to be a, a doubt presumably and Brady the, as well. uh, for the weekend. And, we'll Brady uh, and, as well. and Brady with his rib, yeah. Um, but I think we've. I'm, I'm reasonably hopeful that combined with the fact of we've had a, um, uh, we, we do seem to have good attacking intent so far, um, and the fact that uh, we do seem to have a bit of a, um, uh, a, a good sign over uh, Southampton in past games. We can hope that uh, we can go in and get a positive result out of. Uh, out of Saturday's game, so I'm going to go for uh, a 2-0 win. Wow, Dave, that's really positive. I like it. Um, I agree with you. I think whilst the, the result was disappointing against Leicester, I was really heartened by the performance, and that was with obviously having to play Kevin Long and Jimmy Dunn at centre-half and poor Eric Peters in, midf- um, in, in midfield as well. Um, 
I wonder, obviously, as we were on air tonight, the um, the signing of Dale Stevens has been announced. So we were debating this in the group chat beforehand as well about um, we wonder whether we can use Dale Stevens to bolster midfield a little bit and bring him into the centre and maybe push Brownhill onto one of the wings just to try and cover uh, with us both having, obviously, um, with us having, sorry, the two uh, wingers out injured at the moment so whilst I'm not a big fan of, of pushing Brownell out there I think he's doing an incredible job in centre midfield and oh my god how good was he um, against Millwall in that cup game he was phenomenal um, I think that will help to do that but I think I think we need to get Tarky back I think if he doesn't play again I think this injury tour cover is going to feel a little bit more suspicious by the day isn't it as, as to see what they're doing so I share your views young Dave um, I'm going to go I don't think we'll if I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit here, if Tark is back, I'm going to agree, and I'm going to say two nil as well. Um, if Long and Dunn have to stand up again and they have to play, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. So I'm going to go two one. Um, so there you go. Um, generally speaking, uh, from a, a, a transfer perspective, are you happy with Dale Stevens, Dave? He's um, a very Burnley signing, I think. Yeah, in terms of um, <laughs> what I've seen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as a, um, a, a, positive. a, a positive. positive. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, there, there are, there's probably a name, a list you could reel off of players who perhaps haven't played. In fact, I think someone uh, tweeted a list, didn't they, of, uh, of players who you think probably should have played for Burnley but didn't do. And he's, he's maybe one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a decent bit of business and we obviously shorter bodies in there. So it's going to be a, an experienced uh, player who's, who's going to bring something in. So... Um, whether he's going to get into the starting eleven straight away, we don't know. But he's, he's certainly going to be uh, in and around there, and uh, seems to be a, a solid signing, I would say. Yeah, I think that's right. I saw. Um, I, saw I think that the news has been received generally positively. But yeah, it is. It's very hard not to um, raise an eyebrow at the slightly stereotypical nature of this Burnley signing, isn't it? And it just goes to show that there's a type of player that Dyche trusts and, and is happy for us to spend our money on. And, and with a rumoured transfer fee of just £1 million, this is an absolute no-brainer for me. I just I don't understand, you know, this is a good signing. And at the moment, we need bodies through the door. We need we need cover and his experience and his um, his attitude, I think, will, will, will be good for the side. I think Dyche will get the best out of him and I'm, I'm really happy with that um there's also um rumors circulating that um young harry wilson um is being looked at as well from liverpool um albeit he's on the bench tonight for liverpool which seems odd um so what do you think about that one do you think that, that's supposed, supposed to be about 15 million that one um, yeah, I mean, I th- probably shouldn't get carried away with these things until they actually happen, because I, I think if it was down to us, we wouldn't have any rumours out there. There wouldn't be any any names. It's only really when it gets forced in there, either by uh, you know the other club or agents or whatever, that they do get into the uh, public realm. So I think uh, the, the club certainly would prefer to do all their business behind closed doors and not have the rumours. Players' names come up and, I don't know, the, you, you suspect there's a grain of truth in quite a lot of them, some of them, you're not so sure. The only way you're sure is when they come through the door. But in in terms of a, a theoretical signing, yeah, I guess he's, he's a, a, um, a youngish uh, attacking player um, who give us some some more um, options going up front. So yeah, it's it's a, um, yeah a, 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 he would be a positive addition to the squad. I would say. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think we we've kind of got in, on Tuesday's podcast. We got to the conclusion that we felt like a really successful. Um, transfer window this season would be um, a cover at centre half 
as um, yeah. a, midf- a winger and a, a central midfielder. Well, if we if we get Wilson in, and obviously just to compliment Stevens, um, there's still talk about Dawson coming in as yeah. half. I don't know whether that's dependent on us selling Tarky or not. But if we got those three in, then that's job done. And I think with the injured injuries that we've got to come back, I think I'd be feeling a lot more rosier again. So let's see how that goes. We'll uh, we'll have a look at that again on Tuesday when we come back to the main podcast. Opposition view. So this week on the preview show, we are joined by Ben from the Total Saints podcast. Ben, welcome to the No Name Never podcast. Matt, good to talk to you again. Hope you're keeping well. Yes, very good. Thank you. Much better after last night's cup win, which has put us in the, the dizzy heights of uh, the last 16 of the League <laughs> Cup for the first time in, I think, seven years, I think it is. It's been a, been a while. It's not, not usually a trait of Daesh to kind of put up a cup run, but uh, we're not complaining about it. Unfortunately, uh, you guys got uh, didn't get quite that far, did you? It's it's uh, it's not been a, the greatest start to the season for Southampton. It's it, it's not. Um, I've followed. I think I worked out the other day, Matt. This is my thirty fourth season following Saints, and I can guarantee that in thirty four of those, they've started the season very very slowly. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't normally kick into action until about. November time, which probably is a blessing in disguise that we've started the month slightly late, uh, the season slightly later this season. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not been a great start. I mean, obviously we played a, a pretty strong side, um, you know, bar one change where he bought one young winger in against Brentford in the the cup, and uh, they uh, demolished us pretty much. And you know, they've beaten West Brom since, obviously. So uh, yeah, two league defeats and a cup exit. It's not a great first week to the season. It's not. Um, just looking back briefly at, at last season as, as in a whole, we had so many ups and downs. I mean, I, I won't mention the uh, the one that will go down <laughs> in history. But um, after that, as a whole, were you happy with how how Saints performed for you last season and, and kind of where you finished in the league? Yeah, I, I don't think you can complain about finishing eleventh uh, when you're, uh, you know, at the start of November. You've got, I think it was seven points from thirteen games or something like that. I mean, we were struggling pretty badly. Um, yeah, I mean that result that again we refused to say the score anymore, but it was a bit of a, a trigger. I, ironically, it was probably the game just after that we lost at home to Everton, uh, and that was really sort of rock bottom. And uh, we then went into a two-week international break. Went to Arsenal. We should have beat them. They they scored a 96 minute equaliser, but that kind of kicked off our season. And we had a great run over Christmas. You probably remember we uh, went to Chelsea and won. We then went to Leicester in January and got revenge by uh, it wasn't quite the uh, score that we won't mention, but we beat them two one. And uh, again, we we sort of tailed off. And then coronavirus came along for all of us. You know, you know, around the world, and we had to go through that challenge. And then yeah, post lockdown, I mean, we uh, we won five and drew two of our our last eight games. So um, we had a really good run to the end of the season, finished really strongly. And I think we were all hopeful that uh, we'd carry that momentum into this season. You know, certainly Hasenhutl was talking about not starting the season, but kind of continuing from last uh, season. They they didn't really do a proper pre-season. They kind of had a couple of weeks off and then came back and just sort of carried on doing the training and getting ready for that Crystal Palace game. But uh, yeah, three defeats in a week has kind of um, put the pressure back on again, I think. It certainly has, because uh, you never want... I mean, we've lost our, our one opening league game of the weekend up at Leicester, and um, I always feel it's, very, it's so important to, to get those points on on the board early on and not be playing catch-up in the in these early months. You know, if you, if you can get yourself a bit clear and then just tick over and just stay ahead, that seems to be the, the certainly the less stressful way of trying to survive in this league. A uh, big player for you last season was a um, former Claret hero for mm. us, Danny Ings, almost got the golden boot there. Uh, hoping for more of the same this season from, uh, from Danny? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I think all of us as football fans, I'm sure any Burnley fans listening, I'm sure any Liverpool fans out there, I think, you know, the most important thing is it's just great to see Danny Ings playing football again. You know, he had two pretty traumatic injuries, I think could have ended his career, both of them potentially. Um, but look, I mean, he's playing with a smile on his face. Um, he actually grew up in the same village as me. I was lucky to interview him at the end of last season. And, and you could tell that he's really enjoying his football again. Um, he's playing with a smile on his face. He's obviously scoring goals. He scored twice last week against Tottenham. Admittedly, one was from the penalty spot, but you know that's already a good start to the season for him. I, I suppose the concern for us, Matt, is that we've kind of relied on Danny Ings to score our goals. I think mm. he ended up with forty-eight percent of our goals last season, which is you know yeah. if he gets injured again, touch wood, he doesn't. But that's a big void to sort of try and fill. So I think most importantly, you know, he's really playing well. He's pivotal to the way the team plays. You, you, you Saints are renowned for this sort of high pressing. And, and we all know that in football, defending kind of starts from the front. We all hear the cliches from the manager. Danny Ings kind of epitomises that. So, yeah, I think most importantly, it's great to see him playing football and enjoying himself again. And from a Saints point of view, absolutely banging the goals in. In terms of transfers, then, have you uh, have you brought in the bodies that you think you needed over this uh, this shorter window that we've had since uh, since Project Restart finished? And we've seen some exits and we've seen uh, some some new deals for important players. How are you feeling about the squad in general? Yeah, I think, um, you, you know, the biggest area we needed to um, sort out was defence. Um, we were OK scoring goals last season, but, you know, we made silly mistakes. You think of that right back to the opening day against you guys. I mean, we capitulated in 15 minutes towards the, the end of the second half there and just fell apart. And uh, they signed Carl Walker-Peters. He'd obviously done a good job uh, sort of last um second half of last season. I think it was probably helped by the fact that Spurs wanted Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, so that kind of worked in both uh, parties' favours. We've, we've signed um, a promising 21-year-old from Val, uh, Valladolid in Spain called Mohamed Salasu. He's trying to get sort of fit and ready for the Premier League at the moment. He had a, a bit of a knock and had to quarantine and all that sort of thing, so he's a couple of weeks behind. Uh, I don't think he'll feature at Turf more, but hopefully he'll be ready for the West Brom game. Obviously, we have lost um, Hoiberg, as I say. We've since sold uh, Harry Reid, uh, centre midfielder, to Fulham. Mario Lamina's gone there on loan as well. So, at the moment, we've kind of just got Oriol Romeo and James Ward-Prowse as centre midfielders and, and Ralph Hasenhutl has already spoken about the fact that we really do need to get another number six in. So, I think between now and the end of the transfer window, Matt, that is absolutely the number one position we need to get some cover in centre midfield. Um, you know, ironically, it's probably someone like a, a Dale Stevens. I think Saints are probably looking for a more glamorous type of player than him you know maybe a more of a potential that they can look to sell on than a Dale Stevens. but it is probably that sort of defensive midfielder that can break up play get the ball and give it well fingers crossed you get what you need there um just looking ahead to Saturday then um evening game up at the turf more like you said last year you came up on the opening day and uh, it did kind of fall apart in the rain it was a very very wet day <laughs> then um What's your thoughts ahead of this one? You've lost the first two league matches. Do you think that'll just give them a bit of a, a shock into kind of performing? Do you think, well, I mean, we've seen all sorts of results since the since the absence of crowds, a lot of uh, away uh, victories. Uh, do you fancy your chances against us? We're, we're, look, we're you know, dropping like flies at the minute. <laughs> I know. I thought, trouble is, Saints never put sides to the sword when they're like that. I mean, it's Crystal Palace uh, first game of the season. I mean, they had four or five players missing that would have got in their starting lineup. They beat us one 0 I, I think the thing about Saints is, 
Um, they've not beaten Burnley in the last seven appearances. You know, we lost both games last season to Burnley, to Newcastle, and to West Ham. So we lost all six of those games, Matt. And what 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 are those three sides got in the similarity? They play a big sort of target man up front. They play physical football. It's it's not you know I think with all due respect, it's not kick and rush, but it is pretty much get it forward as quickly as possible and work off the strikers. And Saints don't like that. I mean, they don't like big physical sides in their face, and that's really what they're going to need to be up a against at the weekend you know they're going to need to be up for the fight they're obviously going up there a little bit with their tails between their legs and it seems ridiculous to say after two Premier League games that the pressure's on to get a result but after you we got West Brom at home and then we're into some of the big boys you know Chelsea and Everton and things like that so I'd say there's a lot of pressure on Saints coming up to Burnley at the weekend whether they like it or not and you know I know as you say you got a few injuries I saw potentially J-Rod's got a knock and maybe out I mean obviously if he is that's of course going to be a bonus for us because you know he's still on his day, one of the, the the top finishes in the Premier League, and a bit like Danny Ings, Matt, it's been great to see J Rod get back to playing well. Uh, you know, a player that is loved on the south coast for what he did down here. So, going back to the original question, I think it'll be hard for Saints. You know, the most important thing we need to see is a bit of fight from them. And uh, if uh, Burnley are, are sort of made to score a worldie to win the game, fair enough. But what we don't want to do is see Saints roll over and let some soft goals in and just sort of come away thinking, oh, thank goodness that's Burnley out of the way. Yeah, it, it, like you say, losing to those teams that finish around you it, it is always a, a recipe for disaster. You know, you, quite often you're quite happy to go and take hits against the the teams that you know are going to finish top four, top six, because that doesn't impact your position. Yeah, you take points from the teams around you. That that's when when you start to pull away, really. Um, yeah, I do. I think J Rod is is pretty much real. I don't think Dice will risk him on Saturday. Mm. Um, we've got Wood and Vidra both available, and Barnes are, played for the under twenty threes this week. He did sixty minutes, so and he always he may, scores against us. <laughs> yeah, he may well make the bench uh, on Saturday um, if we need to kind of make up the numbers. Tarkovsky, touch and go. Who knows what's happening with him at the minute? He's had this mysterious toe injury for the last week or so, um, <laughs> but the the rumor mill won't uh, won't stop with him. I think until the window shuts. So yeah. you could find yourself up against. Um, quite inexperienced uh, defenders and, uh, you know, that could be an opportunity for things there really um, to maybe get on the score sheet. Uh, hopefully, though, we've got enough. Hopefully, you know, we, we, we've shown some real fight against Leicester, even shipping four goals against Leicester last Saturday. It was a positive performance. There wasn't mm. too many play- people complaining about the the effort that we'd put in. Um, but like I said before, we seem to be getting so unlucky with injuries at the minute that we're kind of having to piece together teams and play Eric Peters wherever we can fit him really <laughs> plugging gaps I think the thing about that is you know as you say going to Leicester Burnley are obviously a side that um, from you know the outside looking in I think like teams attacking them because it sort of gives those that, that chance to sort of get in behind and uh, you know do things like that I, I suppose Saints are probably the different um, sorry similar to that in that they don't like sides sitting deep and trying to break them down because we don't really have the creativity to do that I mean the only injury that we've got subject to training on Friday of course you and I are recording on Thursday night is Nathan Redmond is definitely out of the weekend other than that we've got a, a full squad but even at the moment you know Hazen Hootel's probably got 15-16 senior players that he's he's comfortable with so it's not like we suddenly have 24 players that are available so he's got sort of a, a limited pool that he's he's sort of uh, choosing from but I think from a Saints point of view we will probably hope that Burnley want to attack us a bit and leave some gaps in behind that uh, as you say the likes of sort of Stuart Armstrong, Danny Ings um, and players like that can kind of try and exploit. Have you found it um, not being able to go to the games? I mean do you travel to many of the away games? Are you, are you missing away days or are you... 
do you have a season ticket down at St Mary's and, and yep. how have you found this last six months? Totally, I'm missing the uh, the the cricket club bar there at Burnley. Mm. I've, I've last couple of times I've come up, it's been it's always very uh, um, you know enjoyable going in there and uh, looking at all the Jimmy Anderson photos and all that sort of thing, isn't it? But uh, I think um, yeah, I mean it's a different experience, isn't it? When you uh, you watch it on the telly, you probably uh, see more inc- uh, of the incidents than you do in the ground. You know, you get to see the replays and things like that. But um, it's not the same. I, I think there's a saying in life, isn't there? That you don't know what you got till it's gone, and I think that's probably the same with football. And you know, none of us want to. Um, sort of uh, encounter health problems and you know we know that we need to make it safe for everyone and the world needs to sort of you know look after itself before we even think about a game of football and everyone piling into a stadium but I think we all miss seeing our football team you know that release that we get at the weekend Matt where we can go there and cheer them on and shout the ref and you know tell, tell everyone what we think about the game and have a beer with our mates and things like that I mean that is part of being British that is you know probably the most beautiful part of football isn't it having that experience so Absolutely, I'm missing it. I think, like, I'm sure everyone that's listened to this podcast, and the sooner we can get back safely, obviously, I mean, it looks like it's going to be March now, unfortunately, at the earliest. So, fingers crossed, um, we can kind of go through all the sort of safety checks that we need to and start to see fans coming back. And yeah, you know, the sooner we can get back there cheering our teams on, the better, eh? Absolutely, I echo that entirely. However, um, how's the, the financial implications of this affected uh, Southampton? Mm. I know um, our chairman came out early on and, and was talking about, you know, losses of, you know, or gaps of 50 million or such. And TV money must still be coming in in some way, but gate receipts yep. were obviously just dropped completely off. Uh, has there been any noises down there as to about, as to where, you know, how it's impacted your club? Um, well, I think there's two things I'd say on that. Um, firstly, it was sort of well documented, I think, when there was a lot of um, issues around the furlough and, and things like that, that Saints were a club that had agreed, their players had agreed that they would take a deferral on their wages for a, a certain period of time to sort of help try and facilitate not having to make people redundant. Um, I think the longer this goes on, you know, we obviously have to understand that actually we're probably pretty lucky. You know, Saints are a well-run club, a bit like Burnley. You know, they are self-sustaining, but that does rely on income coming in, as you say. Uh, they're not a sort of club that have spent hundreds of millions of pounds and, and you know, are really struggling. So touch wood, at the moment, I think they're okay. But what I would say to counteract that, um, I think they were thinking ahead of the game because it's been sort of fairly well documented in Southampton circles that they recently took out a, a £75 million loan, which I think is to sort of really try and help revenue flow potentially, you know, mid to long term so that they've got some money in the, the coffers to sort of see them through this period. I think the the challenge, Matt, is, of course, none of us know how long this is going to last for. I mean, it's sad to see potentially clubs, you know, further down the, the football pyramid, you know, really struggling. I, I saw um, the Colchester chairman putting a letter out to, to Boris Johnson about, you know, why he can go to the pub with his mates but he can't get a crowd in to support the team and he's going to have to lay people off and things like that you don't want to see that so yeah from a financial point of view I think Saints are okay at the moment um you know they're lucky to be in the Premier League which is where all the money is however I think the longer it goes on the the more tough conversations there probably have to be absolutely yeah absolutely it could be even more important for people to survive this season um because you mm. know relegation could have even bigger financial implications than it normally does so finally, um, we always offer our guests the chance to plug their their side of things. Where can people find your your podcasts, your your products out there, and where, how can people find you on Twitter and other socials? Yeah, no problem. So on Twitter, we're at Total Saints Pod. We're on Facebook dot com as well, the same search string, and then you can find us on all the sort of uh, um, common, I would call it 
podcast channels, so Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, um, SoundCloud. We've just gone on Amazon um, Music. I don't know if you guys have, have gone on there, but uh, yeah, they've obviously just, just yeah, yeah, very yeah, exciting. So exactly. So yeah, we're on all of those. And if you just search for Total Saints Podcast, Matt, you'll find uh, 129 episodes that uh, if you're uh, lacking sleep or anything like that, I'm sure some of them will be pretty useful. Marvellous. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join us this week, Ben, and all the best for Saturday evening. No problem at all. Take care. Fantasy Premier League update. Okay, Dave. Fantasy Premier League. Week two. Game week two is down. Um, Why don't you talk us through what's going on in the Nona Never Fantasy League, please? Before we go any further, can I just check that you've actually selected your team for this weekend? Yes, I have. All right, good. I have, yes. Listeners, for those of you who haven't seen this, this is just, this is peak me. It really is. Um, So I finally got round to submitting my squad um, on Saturday. Um, I'm so good at fantasy football that I decided to give you all a head start, clearly. Um, Not really understanding or realising that there's, there's game week deadlines and things. So actually my team is not going to go in until game week three so I'm two weeks behind you all and to really rub salt in the wounds as well I, and I picked this before the game started this is a pure coincidence I'm not this clever but I've got both Calvert-Lewin and Zahar in my squad who would have been in that game as well and I'm just like are you kidding me like one of my friends actually texted me and said um Oh, you, uh, somebody somebody said I think they said something like, "Oh, missing week one's going to be fine because you've got you know you've got Calvert Lewin in your squad." I was like, "Yeah, I'm not in until week three. So after our reigning champ gave me all those tips last week, and you just I just ignored them. I did. I just had a ridiculously rookie error. Um, <laughs> although I've just gone on to my team now, Dave. He's going to be so disappointed in me, and he really is. He's been. He's just going to be like, "What are you doing? Did I not teach you anything?" Um, but I feel like I'm doing well this week. I feel like I'm. I'll be all right. Um, although I've just gone onto that team thing and I've just realised that <laughs> I picked my squad and everything and then it's just randomly picked me a team. Oh, it does um, that until you select it and then commit it, the uh, the, the 11 you have in, yeah. Oh, right. So I, do I have to do that before 11 o'clock on? Yeah, oh. do it tonight and then you won't forget. Okay, I will. Okay, Dave. Right. Well, let's move away from my pathetic attempt at a team. What's going on in the actual league? Uh, well, we've had almost 240 entries now. It's gone up a wow. little bit since we did the previous show last week. I think we've got 238 or 239 at the last count, um, and that's well up from the 164 we had last season. So I think what we'll do, we'll leave it open for another um, week for additional entries if you haven't got around to joining up with your team yet, and we will give out the code again now if anyone wants it. That's uh, so the code for the No Nay Never Fantasy Premier League is g 3 Q K. Zero F for Freddy. And that is definitely a zero rather than an O. So G three Q K zero F. Um so if anyone wants to do that, it's totally free to enter just for fun, but we will be keeping a track of progress throughout the season by uh, mentioning updates in the uh, in the preview shows. Excellent. That is really, really good. So what's happening with the dream team? Have we got anything to report there yet? Uh, well, in terms of last week, uh, the Tottenham duo of Son and Kane, they were way out in front of everyone else with 24 and 21 points respectively, following uh, that that was their victory over Southampton last week. And although there were no Burnley players in the team of the week, uh, Leicester City's Timothy Castagna, he did just creep into the uh, into the 11 for the Kings of Game Week 2. 
Um, and as we've only played, well, Burnley have only played one game so far, so it's a little bit too early for us to look at the scores of the Burnley players just yet. We will keep, uh, be keeping an eye on that during the season as well. Uh, but I can reveal which of our FPL managers, the ones in our league, have got off the best start. Uh, with six uh, six managers so far, have got a combined total of 150 points across the first two game weeks. So should we have a, a little countdown? Yes. So we've got in sixth place on 150 points, uh, Daniel Meller. Uh, Chris Yates is in fifth on 151 points. They've both uh, gone up in places since the previous week. Uh, Dan Parkhill is on 152 points in fourth place. It's all very tight here, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Matthew Blackburn uh, is on 153 points uh, in third place. Uh, Elliot Clegg is in second on 150. Well, it's actually joint top. I think they must uh, split it based on the last game week. So in second, but the same number of points, 158 is Elliot Clegg. And then we've got Ursa, uh, I think that must be an abbreviation, uh, whose team is Alison Bexer uh, on 158 points as well. So that's uh, number one in the list so far. So 158 points more than you've got, Natalie. All right, I'm not even. I'm not even ranked. I actually went to the bottom, presuming that I was on zero. They've not even put me in yet. I'm just still showing as a new member. Actually, I hope I'm assuming that I'm in. It says that it says on the bottom of our league. Yeah, it automatically goes in for next week. Yeah, That's if so you select your team. So depressing. So essentially, I need to. I need to get something like 250 points or something like that in week one, and I'll go straight into first place. Yeah. That's no. it. Well, it's not going to happen, is it? Where's our reigning champ? Where's Bennett? Oh, I didn't check actually. I didn't. It, it's it, to be fair, it's a little bit early days to be having league tables. I think uh, you probably need three or four weeks to do it properly. But we'll, I think we'll get a better idea when we sort of four, five, six weeks in, things will settle down a little bit, and we'll probably see a bit more of a a pattern coming through. Yeah, I'm just absolutely. Oh, there's a Jamie Smith in there. I wonder if that is our wonderful previous host, Jamie Smith. Whether it's a different Jamie Smith, there are two Jamie Smiths. Or is it John Smith? Ben Kirk, Ben Kilbride. There's some. There's some regular names in here. All of people who we know of, of long time followers of the podcast. Uh, well, there you go. Let's see how it goes. Um, well, obviously, as as uh, Dave said, it is still very early days at the moment. So if you haven't quite got off to the best start, or if like me, you've actually forgotten to do it, um, as Dave said, we are going to keep it open for one more week. We're going to close it at the end of game week three, aren't we, Dave? So for new entries, yes. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll try and see if we can get above two hundred and fifty. If we can get another ten or so entries, that would. Uh take us above uh, 250 which would be good yeah that'd be really great so get involved people we would love to have you and we will monitor progress throughout the season and don't forget there is a prize for our champion and it's not just a known and ever sticker there you go Um, so let's round off this week's podcast, Dave, with um, this week's quiz question, please. What little nugget are you asking our listeners to answer this week? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to test their more general football knowledge now, rather than specifically Burnley, by asking uh, Ralph Hassenhutl has been in charge for Southampton's last two visits to Turf Moor prior to this weekend. But can you name the other three Saints managers Sean Dyche has faced in matches between the two teams at Turf Moor? That is a good question. Um, how do our listeners submit their answers, please, Dave? Uh, well, the best way is to get in touch. Uh, they can either tweet us or send a direct message on Twitter. That's at never. Um, we accept emails, uh, podcast at nonenever.net. 
and uh, they can also reply on the post for the preview show on the No Nay Never Facebook page. And we will reveal the correct answers because there's obviously three of them at the end of our uh, at the start of our next preview show. Excellent. That is good work, Dave. Get your thinking caps on, people, and submit us your answers. Well, that is all we have time for for this preview show, episode two of season two. Um, Thank you, as ever, to producer Matt for getting all of this sorted and and editing and publishing it in time for your new pre-match ritual, however that may be, away from Turf Moor. Um, Listeners, I do hope that you still manage to enjoy the game of the weekend, even though we won't be at our seats. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like we will be there for some time yet. Um, but I do hope, obviously, you do manage to to listen in to us and, and get you know some sense of community back with our with our clarets. Um, thanks to Dave for Dave, you put in so much effort to this, particularly obviously at the start of this season when we've got some new features. And um, this preview show is one hundred percent your effort and would not be anywhere near what it is if it was left to my devices because it would be rubbish um so thank you dave as ever and i can't wait to see what you you pull for us next week um but finally my thanks go to you the listener for downloading and listening to this podcast and basically your support is just so much appreciated we definitely would not be here without you and i haven't even told dave this yet because i was saving this for the end of this podcast but this season um just from episode one of the preview show we have over doubled the listeners for the preview show than we had last season um which is phenomenal we always want to improve our listener base we always want to get more and more people involved but to actually double um is an incredible achievement dave that's all down to you so congratulations you have officially doubled your listener intake for the preview show so well done um we will be the team will be back on tuesday we will be looking over the weekend's uh, game against southampton and hopefully uh, well, we'll be discussing the Dale Stevens. We'll be keeping an eye on, on the Wilson story and we will see if there are any other incomings at Turf Moor. And we'll also be keeping one eye on that Tarky story as well and, and keeping an eye on that toe of his. Um, and then Dave and I will be back next weekend for the next episode of the preview show. So that is all from us now. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.